Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. At the age of 27, Latoya Francis is currently trying to piece her life back together after her world came crashing down around her only seven months ago. Latoya lost her sight due to a rare vitamin deficiency and has had to suffer many hardships from being made homeless to having to keep her blindness a secret to those dearest to her. Latoya joins us now to tell us about her incredible journey with sight loss. Latoya, it's great to speak to you. Thank you so much for joining us here today on RNIB Connect Radio. Thank you very much. Now, you lost your sight completely seven months ago, which is very, very recent. Uh, Tell us a bit about your your eye condition. Well, I've been told I've got um, vitamin deficiency and it's vitamin A specifically. Um, It started about two years ago. And to be honest with you, at the time, I think I honestly thought that it was going to be something that was going to pass by and my sight would be back. Um, however, obviously it wasn't the case and when it started to deteriorate, I remember having, there was a point I had my shadow vision and I was so excited because I thought, oh, you know, I'm just going to wake up one day and it's all going to be better. But then when that went away, it was absolutely terrifying not being able to see nothing at all. Um, it still is every day. Um, some days you wake up pinching yourself thinking you're still dreaming. It's been very tough and at the moment uh, I'm still under investigation and we're hoping to possibly find out why my body is not necessarily retaining um, vitamin A as much as it should do. Now, in all the years that I've been interviewing people about their, their sight loss stories and, and various different eye conditions, I've never actually spoken to somebody that has lost their sight due to a vitamin A deficiency. But apparently, um, this is something that's a bit more prevalent in the African and Asian communities. Yeah, this is what I found out myself because I had no idea myself. I, I know that vitamin A is obviously connected to, to your vision, but I had no idea that you could lose your vision due to deficiency of vitamin A. Um, and and to find that that is something quite um, prominent in African and Asian community is quite new to me as well. And it's amazing how many people have, have got this actually condition due to vitamin A, uh, as I found out lately myself. And it's, it's actually quite, it's overwhelming really, because um, it's something that is not, is not well known. And I hope that there'll be more research in the future done about it, especially and also for the African communities as well and the Asian communities to know there is something that they have to make sure that their children, you know, go to see their, um, their doctors, um, their opticians and ensure that they have enough um, vitamin um, nutrition, really, um, I think is very, very important. Now, you are of African origin yourself. You spent many years in London, though, and uh, you're now living in Glasgow. Yes, that's right. Yes, I came to Glasgow when I was about, well, I came to Edinburgh, actually, when I was about 15 years old and moved to Glasgow in 2008. And I I love Scotland so much. London is absolutely wonderful, but Scotland is so different. The culture, the people, is is absolutely lovely. Every time I go back now, back to London to see my family, I just want to come back to Glasgow, (laughs) you know? So I love it here. Obviously, I've, I've built my life here, went to university here, and um, it's a wonderful place to be. So what was it that actually brought you to Scotland? You know, I was very young, um, had a lot going on at the time in my life, and uh, I needed sort of an escape, really, to be honest with you. And um, I remember I had an offer that I couldn't refuse at the time because I thought, oh, this is going to be great for me, and I would be able to possibly have the future that I wanted for myself. I was very young, I know, but um, it was quite a, a big risk to take at a very young age. Um, although it wasn't so rosy at the beginning, I must say, but I managed to, you know, get myself into work, um, working at McDonald's, and then uh, or 
also got myself into college. Um, yes, I just took life from there. It was very tough, but you just have to get on with it. And I wanted the best for myself. Well, of course. I mean, we all do. And, and you know, I was 19, Latoya, when I lost my sight. It was due to diabetes. And like you were saying earlier, that you didn't realise that, that vitamin A deficiency was was a kind of prominent thing within your uh, community. I, I didn't know that diabetes could cause blindness. Now, I mean, I'm nearly 40. I've been diabetic all my life. And it wasn't until I was 19 that, that I was made aware that I was going blind and it was because of my diabetes. I thought it was something that maybe happened to older diabetics. Yeah. So it is extremely terrifying when when you're given a diagnosis like this and you know nothing about it. Oh, absolutely. Because for me, to be honest with you, I didn't even know it was vitamin A because I've been sick for a long time. I suffer from chronic abdominal pain, chronic headaches, and the chronic vomiting started about four years ago. I actually thought it was because of the vomiting that I lost my sight, um, only to be told um, just recently by my endocrine um, doctor that um, they think is, and obviously my ophthalmologist as well, um, that is due to the vitamin A. And it's something that, you know, you don't necessarily think about. Sometimes you go along living your life the way you do not thinking the little things could affect you of course we all do we want a great life for ourselves but it's just it's wonderful to shed light in such a thing and I think that everyone should be aware of this and I honestly um, would like to possibly in the, in the future be able to reach out to Africans and, and Asians especially Africans really to ensure that they make sure their children are being checked and looked after as they should do. Now, I know that you were a nurse and it's your chronic illnesses that forced you to give up your work a few years ago. Yes, well, I'm a student nurse at Glasgow Caledonia University, which I love so much. I started in 2010, but um, due to my health conditions, I had to take a year out now and again because, you know, I was very determined and my university lecturers, they knew how much I wanted it so badly. Um, however, obviously, due to my health, I wasn't able to continue. They actually were very kind enough to open up the course for me for six years. But um, obviously, when I lost my sight, you, you, as you know yourself, it's, it's difficult to get, you know, to get an assistant and placement and it's my management placement. So I will have to give medications to patients. So it was almost impossible for me to continue the degree. But, you know, nevertheless, I am hoping that sometime in the future, I would um, possibly go back to do, you know, something great again, maybe counselling or something, you know, it's in the future. And I, I do hope I do I have the strength to do that. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, you sound like such a tenacious lady. You really do. And, and you know, I'm quite amazed because people often say to me, you know, you lost your sight very quickly. And I, I, I grew up in Southern Ireland, so I moved over here in less than a year oh, after wow. losing my sight. And I was pretty much on my own. I had a partner at the time, but, um, you know, no family here as such. And uh, a lot of people would say to you, you know, what, what made you stay in Scotland? You know, why didn't you want to go back to your family seven months ago? Well, to be honest with you, I, I did try to go back um, to my family. Um, I think that was sometime last at the end of last year. Um, before I ended, uh, ended up in hospital for a couple of months because I was unwell. And I think whilst I was in London, I knew I was losing my sight, obviously. I knew it was very bad at the time. Then it was kind of shadow vision. But because, I don't know, as you know yourself, when you're losing your sight, you want to hold on to every last bit of sight as possible as you can. And I was trying everything I could. And it's funny because my family don't know I'm blind. They don't know I'm completely blind yet. So, so yeah, I've not had the courage to tell them yet. Um, just because I, I don't know, I just... 
I feel like when I tell them it's final and because I'm the first child as well, I do, I don't know, it's just, it's tough for me because I feel like I wouldn't be able to be there for my sisters like I want to. I wouldn't be able to be the big sister for them like I want to. And for me, I almost kind of felt like, to be honest with you, I felt like a failure because I wasn't able to, you know, get my degree which is the one thing I've always worked for, despite the trials and tribulations I've been through since I was 15 years old, being on my own um, here in Scotland. Yeah, so I still haven't told them yet. So that's kind of a, a tough one for me. <laughs> of course. I mean, it sounds incredibly tough. Is it is it pride holding you back from telling your family? Or do you think, I mean, it's, surely they wouldn't feel that you were a disappointment. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that I felt um, like a disappointment as well because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, I went off to travel and I became an air hostess and I thought I'll, I'll do this while I'm working out what I want to do at university. Um, and, you know, I, I never got there. Now, I ended up going back to university when I was about 22. Oh. So I was a little bit older than everybody else. But I mean, I got my degree eventually. And, and I know that from speaking to you for, you know, the last however many minutes, you'll do the exact same thing. But why would you why would you choose not to tell your family? I don't know. I think is um, you see when it comes to disability within the African community, it's almost like a stigma. It's almost like a shame that comes with it, really, which is not necessarily obviously it's not your fault. But there's something about disability that is not necessarily a, a very good thing when it comes to Africans. And so because of that, they don't necessarily talk about it very much. And I think for me, it, obviously, I have that at the back of my mind. I know my family obviously would. I'm sure they wouldn't mind. I'm sure they would look after me in, in uh, the best way they possibly can. Um, I, For my sisters, I would hope that someday soon I would. I know I have to tell them. And I, I don't want to tell them yet because Christmas is coming. So I'm thinking possibly next year I would have to sit them down and explain to them. It's going to be tough, but I have to do it. Of course. And, and, you know, it is tough because it is tough for the family as well. I know that when I was losing my sight, I would sit in my bed crying and, you know, my mum would come in and say to me, you know, is there anything I can do? What's wrong? She'd put her arm around me and I'd say to her, mum, I can't bear the thought of you looking at me blind because I'm your daughter and I know that you must be wishing that it was you instead of me because you know a mother would would want that for her child so it's a terribly difficult thing for the actual individual that's losing their sight but also for the family. Oh cer- certainly I, I, I think it is because I remember when I was in London my younger sister needed something from me well she drives so she wanted me to give her some money and I said to her okay why don't you take me to the nearest cash machine and I'll get some money out at this point in time my vision was so bad I could barely see anything at all but I didn't want her to know how bad it was I remember crossing the road hearing the car noises not knowing where the car was coming from and I thought oh my god this could be the last day of my life I was absolutely terrified but I had to be brave in front of her you see I didn't want to know how bad it was I will never forget that day ever in my life um, but I understand where you're coming from you do feel as though they're looking at you as a blind person and you can give them that and I think it's hard for me as well not seeing them grow up I think that's just going to be one of the hardest things for me to do so at the moment I do have obviously mental health issues as well I have to deal with myself because this has actually made me feel very very depressed um, because when you lose your sight unfortunately you don't necessarily get the help that you need straight away you're told, okay, that's you, you're blind, goodbye. We'll get some help for you. But you don't necessarily get the help that you need straight away, and that's when you need it. And I think that's affected me so much that at the moment I'm just leaving by the hour, to be honest with you, instead of by the day, because I feel like some days feels like a week. 
you know, um, and I try to fill my days with activities and I've met wonderful friends, like my friend who's here today, and they've been absolutely amazing. I think if not for them, I think I'll probably be dead by now. Well, this is the thing. I mean, it's not unusual for sight loss or becoming disabled, uh, going hand in hand with depression, mental health problems. I know certainly for years I've struggled on and off with depression. And of course, you're, you're living with something that is truly life changing. You know, one minute you're living your life just like everybody else. Next minute you're plunged into a world of darkness. You don't know where to go, who to talk to. I'd never met anybody blind, so I thought I was going to live in a home. I mean, it was crazy. I was 19 and everybody else was going off to pursue their careers and I was back at home thinking, that's it, my my life is over now. And had it not been for people saying to me at the time, oh, you're never going to be able to do this and you're never going to be able to do that. For me, it was almost like the belligerent, stubborn streak in me came out and I thought I'm not going to allow anybody to tell me I can't do something so if anything you know the people that told me I couldn't do things they actually encouraged me more than anybody else that was being supportive to actually go on with my life and do something. Yes I must say so as well because I've noticed fairly recently when um, I obviously having trouble dealing with depression myself I realised that having seen the borders, which is actually part of the RNIB, they've been absolutely wonderful um, in helping me. This is a group of Africans um, who have visual impairment. And it's actually quite nice to be around them because it's, like I said, you know, within African community, that having disability of any sort is almost like a stigma to the family. And to then have a group of Africans coming together to share, you know, their experiences and try to, you know, cherish it around. Some of them, they refugees you know they don't speak English and you know so imagine being blind in a country where you know nobody it must be very tough for them so that's kind of given me something as well to take in and not to feel as as lonely as I thought I was although I must say to you I do feel lonely every day and it's a lonely life I must tell you um, but I, I try to um, take as much as I can from each day it doesn't always work I must say um, but you just have to keep keep trying and, 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 and getting on with it Well, it's not like a bad marriage. You know, you hit rock bottom and you can't sort of walk out the door and keep running. You've got to go on with it. And the only way really to climb is is up the way. But it's a slow, long, hard battle. And, you know, I would have my sight back in an instant. If I could have my sight back tomorrow, I would have it. But I think there comes a time in your life and your journey with sight loss where you realise that, okay, it's not coming back. It's not going to come back. So I can only get on with it and yeah. that takes a while though well that's the thing I, I some, like I said I wake up in the morning sometimes pinching myself wishing is a dream and and those days are tough because you don't want to get out of the house And but at the moment I'm currently um, living in a emergency accommodation myself so which is as you can tell is not necessarily the best combination losing your sight and being homeless at the same time um, but you just it's, it's tough it really is very tough just I think again is trying to see a little bit of positivity in your day I I think that's what's going to keep keep me going 
at the moment. Um, but again, trying to get myself involved with various things, like I'm involved with Poverty Alliance, um, Disability Alliance Scotland, and recently just volunteered for the Homeless Network of Glasgow. Um, so just getting myself involved with all these activities and activists is, is wonderful because I'm hoping that someday, at least doing these things, and because I can't do nursing anymore, doing this would then be able to give me some kind of fulfillment in my life as well. Because I'm not able to give that, you know, that care, that that love that I've always wanted to give. That I love giving my patients, you know, when I was a student nurse, and hopefully I'll be able to do that again and make a difference somehow. Because there's such inequality, as you know, in 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 Britain at the moment and in Scotland in particular. So yeah. I think there's also an element when you do sort of come through the other side of sight loss and I'm not saying you're, you're, you're quite you know through it yet obviously it's only been seven months so obviously still have a journey but you're coping so remarkably well uh, you know from, from somebody that's lived with it for 20 years I can't believe the young woman that's sitting in front of me you know you're such an inspiration you really are but you know you do have that sense of wanting to help other people when you can't help yourself almost. To be honest, that's what keeps me going because I wouldn't say I'm an inspiration because I'm still trying every day um, to get on with it. Some days, like I said, have been worse than others. And I have, you know, become suicidal pretty much recently as well. But again, I think it's just taking each day and peeling each layer as well of yourself and trying to encourage yourself the best way you can. To be honest with you, looking after others for me is the best thing I can ever do. I love it so much and it gives me hope um, because knowing that I'll I'm able to do something for someone else. It, it makes it takes away, you know, me feeling sorry for myself, you know, and also looking at other people's lives because it doesn't matter how bad things are for you. There's someone else going through so much worse. So I have to look at it that way. Like I said, I'm living by the hour each day and I do pray, you know, every day for strength. My faith has been just the, the most, the thing I hold on to the most because it's been very helpful for me. And I keep holding on to that. And I do hope they will help me. And um, I just have to surround myself with positivity as well and positive people, which I've done recently. And that's helped me tremendously, I must tell you. And it's still helping me every day. Um, I, I love dressing up. So for me, dressing up, and it does make me feel good. <laughs> so that helps as well, you know, because it takes away the fact that you're blind. Um, and uh, for people to come in, oh, you look lovely. That's nice because they don't see your sight. They see you um, first before knowing that you're blind. So that's quite nice, actually. Well, actually, you're a girl after my own heart, honestly. Um, I love my clothes and my makeup and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yes, uh, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that you've recently become homeless. How did that actually happen? Well, I actually became homeless, I think it was April last year, in 2015, um, because um, at the time, I, I remember falling down the stairs because sometimes the lift doesn't work. Um, but at this point, I was losing my sight and nobody knew about it. Obviously, my ophthalmologist knew about it. And um, I think I told my godmother she was the only one I told because I just, again, it was something that, you know, I, I didn't want to talk about because I just felt it was going to go away and it wasn't real. Um, I remember falling down the stairs a couple of times. I knew that I, I should give up that place and look for somewhere suitable for me. Um, but I just kept going and going because I thought, oh, no, this is not going to get the better of me. However, um, in April last year, I was my landlord um, obviously wanted his property back. Everything just happened all at once, to be honest with you. Um, and then I became homeless. Um, I was sofa surfing for a while, went back home to London. Things didn't work out back home in London and then came back to Scotland um, again. And I'm now in an um, emergency accommodation I've been there since April and um, the reason I'm still there is because um, I, I've been saying to them losing your sight is one thing right 
and looking for a place that's suitable for you when you have no site is so important because they've off, they've told me about so many places I can live and I've been saying to them, I don't want to stay in an environment where I feel I don't feel safe because you can't look behind you when you're blind, you know. There's no safety net. I don't have, you know, I don't have my family, my, my family here. I don't have someone living with me. So it's very difficult. Um, however, I've been told that my um, my expectations are too high. <laughs> so which is quite, uh, yeah, which is quite shocking, really. But then again, that's the system for you, really. Um, but I'm hoping I would get somewhere safe um, and be able to live a good life. I want to contribute to society again. I want to go back to university. I want to be able to become, a, you know, somebody, somebody great. I want to do, do something and help others. And if I, I know that doing counselling would give me that fulfilment um, with nursing that I, I don't have at the moment. But I, I don't want to be in an environment where I feel I don't feel comfortable because I know myself I would not want to come out. I wouldn't want to do anything. And I'm going to feel quite uncomfortable there as well. And when you feel suicidal and you feel depressed, that's the last thing you need, being stuck indoors. Because I'm not an indoor girl. <laughs> I never have been. So I don't want it to start now. Yeah, so unfortunately, I'm still homeless at the moment. And I'm hoping that sometime in the near future, I will be able to get a suitable home for myself. Do you know, it's incredible that, you know, all you're looking for is somewhere safe to live and for you to be told that your expectations are, are too high. I mean, you know, I've always had to tailor where I live because I've lived on my own. Yeah. Um, I live with my husband now, obviously, but at times during my life, I've lived on my own for long periods of time. And you have to be near a shop, you know, that you can go to to pick up milk and you want to be near uh, a bank and a supermarket and all these places that you can walk to because sometimes public transport isn't convenient or it's too much hassle or there isn't a bus route or a train route to get you to where you want to go. So actually, your expectations are very low um, compared to what other people are looking for. Well, that's what I thought. But again, as you know yourself, you know, the the, the laws and the way things run is, is always very different, um, for, especially for those who are not um, rich, I would say, really. But for me, I've never necessarily depended on the government in my life before. So it's quite strange for me to do that now. And I've always wanted to go back to work. And to be honest with you, if I could go back to work today, I would, um, because it's always been a saving grace for me working and not able to earn my own money and do what I want is very, very tough. In fact, it's the hardest of all, you know, um, and being told now that your expectations are too high because you want to live in a certain area that you, someone has said to you is safe, it's actually quite shocking, really. But then that's the system. And we're hoping that someday we'll have politicians who would put people who are at the bottom, put their needs, you know, uh, as well as theirs, you know, into, you know, to put their needs first. Because there's so much poverty and deprivation, as you know. Um, and um, unfortunately, people like us, we just have to walk our way from the bottom up. <laughs> um, but... Hopefully, when I do get myself back to university and back to work, I'll be able to make the right, you know, leave wherever I want to live. Um, but at the moment, I would have to take whatever comes my way. Latoya, I know that you are desperate to, to get back to work and university and do all these things you want to do, help people in the future. But where do you actually see yourself? Where do you want to be in five years' time? To be honest with you, in five years' time, I would like to think that I'll be doing my PhD <laughs> in neuroscience, possibly. Um, and 
especially now that I know that um, vitamin E deficiency, I would like to to work with um, Africans and to be able to work with researchers to find out why um, vitamin A is um, such a problem within Africans and why it affects vision itself. Um, I think that would be quite a good thing to do for me, I think. Um, but I would, I would love, love to go back to university. I really want to do counselling psychology um, at some point. I'm learning how to touch type at the moment. I have um, someone from actually from RNIB here, Ian Stevenson, who's been teaching me. I also go to Visibility um, Scotland as well. They've been absolutely wonderful um, helping me um, up there, especially Audrey. She's she's absolutely amazing. I feel like I'm learning so much at the moment. Although touch typing is so difficult <laughs> without sight. Oh my there. goodness, it's so <laughs> difficult. And some days I get mad at myself. I'm like, oh, why can't I just get it, you know? Um, so I have to learn uh, a software called JAWS to be able to go back to university. So when I when I get the grips of using touch typing, I do hope to continue um, learning how to use um, the, the the software JAWS. Ian is going to ensure that I am um, that I do that because he's been helping me quite much. Well, I promise you, it does. One day it just clicks with you. Mm-hmm. It's just practice, practice, practice. So keep going. Just send long emails, write <laughs> blogs, do whatever you have to do. But yeah. you just you will get there. You're an incredibly driven young woman, Thank and it's you. been such a pleasure to talk to you today Latoya it really has thank you so very much honestly I feel inspired by your story and um, I do hope someday I'll be as um, confident as you I can just I can feel your 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 confidence coming from (laughs) I can't see you but I can just feel it coming from your voice and I think it's absolutely wonderful and um, it's nice to have that especially for people like myself just being here today and and listening to you I think is wonderful for me it's given me a little bit of something as well to take away whenever I feel low to think of you as well and hopefully that would help me to push myself even further do you know what, Latoya? Thank you so much for saying that. I'm really, really touched by that and very grateful that you've come all this way to talk to us today. I really am. And at the very best of luck with your future, I guarantee you, I will be sitting here five years from now talking to you about the wonderful things you're getting up to in your life. Um, but the very best of luck and thanks for joining us here on our NIB Connect so Radio. Much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.